a final charge to Timothy. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium and Lystra, and the persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Before I think about those verses in particular, shall we pray together again and ask that the Holy Spirit would, through his word, teach us, rebuke us, and correct us, that we believe what Mary has just read to us is God-breathed and that God has something to say to us this morning. So I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we believe that your spirit speaks through it. And we open ourselves up to you now that you would come and teach us, rebuke us, correct us, and train us for righteousness. As we look at the life of Paul and how he encourages Timothy, would your Holy Spirit come and encourage us through your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So Mary's read some words to us, that is Paul writing to Timothy, and we're going to come on and explore the context of that in a moment. But this theme this morning is how we're going to hopefully draw together all the strands of our sermon series so far, looking at the foundations of faith. We have spent the last four weeks thinking about this theme as a church to highlight how it's a whole church responsibility to raise our children and young people in the faith. And Luke has taken us to some very well-known passages of Scripture as part of this series that help us consider our walk with Christ. Are we walking worthy of the calling, you might have remembered, from Ephesians? Or he's taking us to Proverbs, where we've been thinking about setting the direction our children are to go in. And then last week, we looked at Deuteronomy chapter 6, this idea that we are to love the Lord our God with everything, and then from that, specific instructions come on how we are to pass on and impress our love of God and the love of his word to our children, and how this to be a daily task, whether we lie down or whether we're standing up and sharing faith in the practicalities of life. And interspersed through these, looking at these biblical principles, I have taken us to, and I'll go on to do in a moment, to kind of biblical stories or narratives where this has been played out in action. 
So we looked at the life of Samuel and how God called him and how it was Eli's task to nurture him in hearing God's voice. And today I'm hoping that this theme is going to be embodied through the relationship Paul has with Timothy. And as we've had read to us already, Paul encourages Timothy to endure, to continue on, to persevere in the faith by taking him back to the foundations of his faith. So remembering who taught him his faith and his love of scriptures that he has had since he was a child. And as we land this series today, the theme of my sermon, some thoughts on, these, on this passage, is kind of what our utmost desire is. We want to land on the thing that we long to see the most for our children and young people here in this place. And that is that they will be equipped for a lifelong faith. Today we're thinking about how we're going to help grow spiritual resilience in the life of our children and young people. How they will carry this faith with them now through many years of their life. And that's what we want and long to see, that they would have a faith that lasts the test of time, the trials of life, and that today we're taking a long-term view. How do we raise spiritually resilient followers of Jesus? And how we're going to answer that question is looking at this relationship between Paul and Timothy and how Paul encourages Timothy to persevere, to continue on. So who is Timothy and what, his, what is his relationship with Paul? What challenges are Timothy, is Timothy facing and why is Paul encouraging him to persevere? Why does he point him back to his foundations of faith? We might be more familiar with Paul, known as Saul, converted and used by God to enlarge his church dramatically. Paul is a leader, a missionary, um, an apostle, and he has a strategic mind in how to share the gospel. And one of the ways his strategy outplays is this investment in others, in his mentorship of co-workers that become his co-workers in the gospel, spreading it geographically in an area. So we see Paul meet Timothy in Acts chapter 16, and Paul is detailed um, to be in the place that Timothy is, where his family live, and he is so impressed with Timothy, his passion for Christ, his devotion, and it says in this chapter how the people around him uphold Timothy. They speak well of him. So Paul invites Timothy to travel with him, and and he does, and he becomes a co-worker of Paul's, and then Paul becomes Timothy's mentor. And we read in 1 Timothy all about the assignment that Paul sends Timothy on. He is sent on a very challenging mission assignment. He is sent to the church of Ephesus, to speak to a group of leaders who have infiltrated the influential church there. And they are spreading incorrect views about Jesus and his teaching. So the following letter, 1 Timothy, is all about the charge that Paul gives Timothy to go and correct the teaching. And it's also a letter full of Paul's personal commendation that Timothy is up for the task. But we're in the second letter that Paul writes to Timothy today. And this letter is far more personal. At this point, Paul 
is actually in chains for the gospel himself. He is imprisoned in Rome. He is under house arrest and he fears that he does not have long left. So writes to Timothy to ask Timothy to come back to visit him because he wants to kind of charge him with this church planting assignment. And at the start of this second letter to Timothy, we learn more about Timothy's wider family. Paul is reminding Timothy of his sincere faith and how his faith came to be. So if you are following along in your Bible today, I encourage you to open up to the second letter of Timothy because I'm going to be in chapter 1 and chapter 2 to frame why we're in chapter 3 today. And at the start of chapter 1, verse 5, Paul says to Timothy, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and then in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded it now lives in you also. So we get this clear picture of this generational faith and a family tree. So you can see that I had a lot of time on my hands this week. I've tried to create this family tree, very basic for us. Hopefully Jason's going to put it on the screen. But this is the framework of today. So we need it visually, or I need it visually. So we've got Grandmother Lois, Eunice the mum, passing on the sincere faith to the next generation. And then we've got Timothy, who Paul is saying, I see this sincere faith in you. And I want to encourage you to continue in the task that you have ahead. And then we've got Paul the mentor in prison, in need, saying, Timothy, I want you to take a risk and come and see me. So hold that in your mind as we think about the verses that we have had read out to us. Because if I take us back to what Mary read in 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verses 14 to 15, again, this will hopefully come up in the, on the screen. This is what Paul is saying to Timothy. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and be assured of, knowing from who you have learned them, and that from your childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for the salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So as I read these verses, this family tree comes to life for me, because I think this is how Paul is encouraging Timothy. He says, you need to continue on. Remember who taught you. Remember your grandma Lois and your mother Eunice. Remember the scripture that they shared with you. Remember how when you were a child you loved scripture and all the promises of scripture that they instilled in you. And then in the wider passage that Mary read to us today, Paul reminds Timothy of the persecution that he has faced in the different locations that he has travelled. So it's as if Paul is saying to Timothy, remember that I've experienced hard times. We all need an example to follow. And then ends our passage by saying, do you remember the role that scripture plays in your life? It's God-breathed. I give scripture to you as a way that you will be equipped for every task I give you. And it will rebuke you, correct you, and almost nourish you. So that's what we're going to look at today, just simply those three things. The call that Paul gives to Timothy to persevere. 
And then we're going to look at the examples that Paul gives Timothy. And then we're going to look at the role of Scripture in Timothy's life from a young age. Because here, throughout this whole thread, all this letter that Paul is writing to Timothy, it's a thread of encouragement. Continue going, he says. I want you to come and see me, and that's going to be very risky, because at this point, other co-workers of Paul have rejected him. They've labelled him a criminal, and they've just given up on the fact that he is in prison. But Paul says to Timothy, I know your family. May that be an encouragement. They are a trustworthy source of faith. And this is where we get the famous verse, do not be afraid of the gospel, Paul says to Timothy. Come and see me. Come and help. And then adding to this encouragement that Paul gives Timothy, we see in chapter 2 that Paul gives Timothy a metaphor. He says, maybe you almost need to see it visually. Paul says to Timothy, join me in my suffering like a good soldier for Christ. And he appeals to Timothy and says, following Jesus is like enrolling as a soldier who is striving to please their commanding officer. Or he gives another metaphor. You are going to suffer. Continue on, Timothy, like an athlete trains their body. Or like a farmer dedicated to his land. Paul is telling Timothy in this letter that if you want to follow Jesus, you are committing yourselves to something bigger than yourself. Jesus is your source of power through his grace, but a sacrifice is going to be required. You're going to need to endure. It's a hard, risky, and costly call. And I think it is almost as if Paul knows how our humanity works. This is a hard call that he is giving to Timothy. You're going to need to persevere but then helps Timothy by giving him an example to follow. And I just want to consider that for a moment, whether you have had in your life help by a role model or a mentor, that because they've done it, it's given you permission to do it yourself. So my example of this is I have had a, few, a female tutor at college over the last three years, and I spent the first year of college going, well, if she can do it, I can do it. And then I don't, another example I can think of is when I was studying and when your teacher comes to you with like, examples of people who have done that work before you, and it makes it a lot easier, doesn't it, to go, I see how they did it, now I can do it. I'm one of four, and my elder siblings have set the path, almost not what to do, and that's been really helpful for me at points. <laughs> And then another example I can think of is I've been listening to a podcast recently of a female church leader who is single, and she has explained and framed how it's possible to do that. And it's been really helpful for me because all my examples so far have mainly been of married people who share lots of sermon illustrations about their children. And listening to her, I've gone, maybe I can do this. And it's those things, I think, in life. We need an example of someone to follow. And this is what Paul does. He says, you need to persevere, but here is someone who has done that. 
He tells Timothy to learn from himself. And he tells him to learn from his family and points him back to this family tree. The trustworthy sources of his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice. Paul says, you know how I have experienced persecution. He says, you, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecution, and sufferings. You know what's happened to me in Antioch. And, and he says, I have experienced great persecution. Use me as an example. And then Paul points Timothy back to the greatest example of all, to Jesus himself, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, endured so much suffering, the commitment to the Father that he would go to the cross for you and for me. And in verse 12, Paul puts it even more bluntly. And he says to Timothy, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, will be persecuted. So that covers us all, folk. We will experience persecution. But Paul says you are not alone in it. See the example of Christ. See my example. And I wonder how open we are when we discuss our faith with our children and young people or those who are new to faith about the reality of faith. I wonder whether we need to widen the stories of faith that we share with them, maybe about the persecuted church, or think about the vocabulary we use when we share our faith. Do we use, like Paul, a metaphor of a soldier, an athlete, or a farmer? Maybe not in the literal sense, but in the language of perseverance. This sense that when you follow Christ, you are committing yourself to something bigger, more than just yourself. Do we explain that following Christ means laying down everything and following him? Because the call that we long for over our children and young people's lives is that when the going gets tough, they will choose to continue on. When the going gets tough, they will choose to realise that they are not alone and will follow the example of others. Others who have been persecuted for their faith. And maybe their response will be similar to Timothy's. Maybe their response will include someone like Paul in their lives, a leader or a mentor or a youth worker who points them back to the trustworthy source of who shared their faith with them in the first place. Would that bring them reassurance that it's okay to continue on? But maybe, actually, this message is for us today, and that's okay too. Maybe we need to hear the Spirit nudging us to take one step at a time to continue on. Because alongside this call to follow Christ alongside this warning that we will experience persecution, there is hope for us. That our suffering isn't purposeless. That Christ has overcome death and that gives us meaning for our suffering. 
because I'm going to take us back to the chapter before where Paul poetically illustrates this hope that we have, that if we endure with him, we will reign with him. 2 Timothy chapter 2, 11 to 13 tells us this. Here is a trustworthy saying. Paul is saying to Timothy again, trust me, trust what I am telling you. If we die with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot disown himself. There is hope for us that if we endure with Christ, we will reign with Christ. God promises vindication and new life if we die with him. And if we choose to live with him. But if we choose to disown God, God will honour that and disown us. Yet through it all, he remains faithful. Paul is calling Timothy to a life of faithfulness, even though it will come at a great cost to him. And finally... Let's just land by considering again the role that scripture has had in Timothy's life from a young age. Because Paul clearly and rightly endorses the role of scripture to Timothy in this encouragement to him. He tells Timothy, who let's remember has been given the task to go to the church in Ephesus and correct their false teaching. And Paul is telling Timothy, all of scripture is God-breathed, it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Paul is saying to Timothy, remember the scripture that you learnt from a young age, that you explored and that you loved as a child. It's alive, it's active, it's God-breathed. And it's at work. It's powerful. Through it, Timothy, you are thoroughly equipped for the task I am giving you. And this is good news for Timothy because he has quite a task ahead of him. And this is good news for us and good news for our children and young people. That not only will scripture teach them, correct them and train them for righteousness... It will equip them to follow Christ and persevere in this challenging world that they are growing up in. I'm reminded of the psalmist who tells us, God's word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Because the reality is, and it's the same in my life too, our children now are far less biblically literate than the generations that have gone before us. I lectured as part of a swim course uh, last year on the theme of biblical leadership. And the theme, or the brief rather, that I was given was don't assume any biblical knowledge. And it's true, isn't it? We, we don't know us Bibles as well as the generations that have gone before us. And today as I land with this encouragement for us to get into the word of God, I don't share this as another task for parents to do. Because our prayer has been that this sermon series has actually encouraged you that it's our whole church responsibility to raise our children and young people in the faith. 
But I ask the question today, because I think it's in the passage, how are our children being introduced to the Bible from a young age? Can the statement that Paul makes about Timothy be the same for our children and young people? From childhood, you have known the scriptures. Because I wonder if along the way we have lost the fact that the word of God is God-breathed. It's alive, it's active, and it wants to teach us something. This is not just sharing a story. This is the biggest resource we are ever going to give our children. Do we value the role of scripture in our own lives to be passing it on to the next generation? Do we want God's word to teach us, to rebuke us? Is God's word really a lamp to our feet and a light to our path? Is it a framework that I live my life by? Do our children understand its importance? And do they have access to looking at it in an age-appropriate way? Today, I really hoped to be able to give you a resource because we were praying earlier in the week and we felt that actually the response today needs to be practical. And what we've done as a church is buy each family a copy of this book that's going to come up on the screen. But the really sad news is it hasn't arrived. Uh, not this one, Jason, that's okay. The next one, I'll come to this. It's called The Wonder of Easter. And over the Easter period, because Lent is just around the corner, in our kids' groups on a Sunday morning, we're going to follow these resources and we're going to look at the Easter story together, The Wonder of Easter. And there's a book that goes alongside this that we've bought for all of our families that has a daily devotional studying the Easter story. And they're five minutes long, and they can be used for three-year-olds or 16-year-olds. You've just got to look at the right questions. And our prayer is that this will resource you over this Easter period to study the Word of God together as a family. And we're going to get them to you as soon as they arrive. On Monday, we were praying as a staff team, and Luke brought a devotion about how we're in a spiritual battle. And I actually think this is relevant, because we want to equip our church, and it hasn't practically arrived but we'll get it to you and that is my response today let's open up the word of God in our homes because I have a question for you though as well whether if you don't have a family or you don't have children I want to ask you who has taught you to read the scriptures do you know someone that has a great love for the bible and you've always admired it and that they've opened up the bible and explained it to you in ways that you have never quite managed to do on your own. And I've had the privilege of studying theology, and I've had a few lecturers that have opened up scripture for me in amazing ways. And that's that second slide, Jason, if we can share that. Because today I come with two resources. A resource for our families, and a resource for ourselves. This is my absolutely, our absolute favourite lecturer I've ever had. She's called Dr. Reverend Helen Painter, and she leads biblical theology at Bristol Baptist College. And over lockdown, she created 79 YouTube videos once every day, a tour of the whole Bible. And I want to encourage you to use it. So it's on YouTube and it's a free resource. If you just type in tour of the Bible, Baptist Union, it will come up. And in 15-minute videos, she explains each book of the Bible and in a really accessible way. 
So if there's a book of the Bible you've never read before, I encourage you, watch her YouTube video and then start reading. It will make sense. If it makes sense to me, it will make sense to you. This morning is all about resourcing us because God has given us the gift of scripture that will equip us for every good work he has for us. So two practical resources. And I land with this. I think the answer to raising spiritually resilient children and young people can be found in this passage today. We need to call them to endure. We need to give them an example to follow and encourage them along the way. And we need to resource them from a young age, if we can, a love for the scriptures that will equip them for the life ahead. I love, I'd love to pray for us now, and then we're going to respond. As I said already, I think our response today is practically, let's get into the word of God, but I think spiritually too, there's an opportunity for people to be prayed for this morning if they want to be encouraged, like Paul encourages Timothy, or they want to be equipped, and we have a prayer team that can come and, and pray for you, stand alongside you, encourage you and equip you for the task ahead. But I'd love to invite the band to come as we respond. And we're going to sing the song, Be Still, for the presence of the Lord is moving in this place. And there's two lines of the song that I'd love to draw us attention to. The Lord wants to minister to us his grace. And this idea that our faith would be shared this morning, that our faith would be encouraged this morning as we receive from him. So let's pray together. Father God, we hear the practical task that you have given us to help our children and young people have an understanding of scripture. Would our love for your word as a church be an example to them? Lord, we're sorry for the times that we give up, we complain, we forget about our heritage or faith. But I want to thank you, Lord, for the people that have shared scripture with us and shared faith with us over the years. Jesus, we thank you for your example that we long to follow. Would we grow in Christ-likeness? Lord, we hear your spirit speaking to us this morning. Continue on. As we take a moment to be still now, Lord, we pray that you would come and minister your grace. In faith, receive from him the encouragement we need, the correction we need, the teaching we need, the love that we need. Holy Spirit, come and gently restore us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.